Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Modern Love Radio. We are so happy to be with you, and we're coming into a very important season Whether you're listening live with us or listening later, there are seasons in life, and those special times are astrological events like the equinox or like the solstices. And we're coming into the spring equinox, which is a time when the light truly begins to return and to balance on the earth. And we want to talk right now about you balancing and transforming your life. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever wished that you could just rebuild your life in a completely new way, to do something you've always longed to do, to truly give your gifts in the world, to maybe even reinvent yourself or awaken a passion you used to have and then say, I'm going to go do that. There's still time. You want to be the architect of your life. And I want you to know right now, our guest tonight is a wonderful practitioner of the philosophy that you are the architect of your life. And she's going to tell us many, many, many deep truths about our capacity to do what she calls shape-shifting your life. And I love that term. Our guest is Zakia Harris, who describes herself as a cultural architect, an artist, an educator, working at the intersection of entrepreneurship in the 21st century. And she's all about creative transformation. She's the co-founder of the nationally recognized projects Impact Hub and Grind for the Green. And she's currently the chief education officer for Hack the Hood, a technology program for low-income youth of color and the winner of the 2014 Google Impact Challenge. Welcome to the program, Zakia Harris. Thank you so much, Dr. Brenda. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here, and congratulations, because it is no small thing to win that Google Impact (laughs) Challenge. My goodness. So you're up to a lot of good things, and we want to talk about shape-shifting. Now, what does that mean, and how did you get into shape-shifting and being the architect of your life? 
Wonderful. That's a great question. Well, like many people, I did everything that I was told. I got a good education. I come from the Bay Area, single-parent family. My mom worked two jobs to put me through college, um, graduated, did a few years at law school, got married, bought a house, had my child. I did, you know, everything in line with the quote-unquote American dream. And I found myself completely unfulfilled, unhappy, not nurturing my gifts, compartmentalized. I felt like I was one person at work, one person at home, one person with my artistic community, one person with my spiritual community. And there was this other fire in me that was burning to come alive. And I knew that I was going to have to walk away from all of who I was to step into something that I, who I wanted to be. So it sounds and, like your life at that time was splintered. It sounds like you had all these different things going but you didn't feel like any of them added up to you being you. Exactly. I was not being my authentic self. Wow. You had a lot going on. So there there are people who have a lot going on, and they might relate to this feeling you had, I've got a lot going on, but is any of this really me? Am I really expressing the deepest, most authentic part of myself, or am I just, you know, swimming as fast as I can or paddling as fast as I can. Mm-hmm. Wow. Being a human doing or a human being, I like to say. What was it that made you say, you know what, this just isn't working? I think the greatest teacher at the time was the birth of my daughter, who's now 10 years old, and I think there's something about birth and life and death and those moments that really bring you in tune with what really matters in life. And she really called me into my highest self, and it was at that moment that I realized I have to do something different. So your daughter really woke you up. I have to do something different. Now, were you feeling, I just have to check in, because I can imagine doing all that you were doing, feeling splintered, you must have also felt some anxiety trying to keep up with all that. Yes, I did feel anxiety. I think the unfulfillment outweighed the anxiety and it was it would what hurt my spirit more was not being in that not allowing the fire in me that was burning so deep in my soul out um that that ultimately fueled me into shifting in a new direction and that's exactly mm. what I did. Mhm. Now, did you have any other help? Anything else that was the impetus for you? To shift, your daughter was there, um, and you felt this call to be more for her sake. Yeah, I, you know, I I prayed about it. You know, I I sat down, I meditated, and it it isn't wasn't until five years later that I realized that the universe actually was going to move me into who I said I wanted to be, but not nearly in the way that I said I wanted to occur. Sometimes the universe has to kick us out into that. And it really began with a series of events that really had a domino effect of breakdown, which later became my breakthrough, which started with me, the nonprofit that I co-founded all at, at that time, losing all of its funding. I had to lay off my entire staff. I, my um, ex-husband and I went through home foreclosure and lost our home. 
Um, I found myself unemployed, divorced, single mother. I mean, all of those kind of statistics. I mm. I got in a bike accident and scraped the front of my face. And really, every single person who I was, a homeowner, a mother, a wife, an entrepreneur, a business owner, a, a, an unemployed person, all of those labels were gone. And, when and a person really with see, a face to the world, and then you got your face <laughs> scraped. Exactly. And so you really see, well, who? what is the essence? I ask myself, what is my true essence when all of these things are, not, are no longer here for me? And my teacher at the time became water. And water taught me, water is feminine, water is, makes up the majority of our body, it makes up the majority of the planet Earth, it is nurturing, it goes with the flow, it doesn't try to fight the current, it can take the shape of any form, it's not feeling like it has to take any form. It's always going with the flow, finding the flow. And that's where shape-shifting came for me. It is me being able to go with the flow. Okay, I don't have a job anymore. I'm still going with the flow. I don't have the house I lived in, but I'm still going with the flow. I knew that spirit was not going to leave me. I knew that there was some great work for me to do. And I allowed that mantra to guide me from breakdown to breakthrough. That sounds amazing. So is this what you mean when you talk about shape shifting? Yes. Shape shifting your life is being able to honor the presence, the feminine presence of water and to allow that to guide us and to really remind us at all times, no matter what challenges we're facing or that are upon us, we can seek the flow. We can seek the path of least resistance. Well, Michael Beckwith had a great quote. I'm going to bring this into the conversation. He said, shape-shifting is when you look at a dimension of your life that's working and you get into the vibratory field of that and you literally shift it into the areas of your life where there is stagnation. So if you want to join the conversation Call us, talk to us old school at 347-989-0776 or hit me back on Twitter or Facebook, Dr. Brenda Wade. So, Zakia, when you started the process, you were coming from way behind, unemployed, foreclosed, divorced, (laughs) single mom, face smashed up in a bike accident. What was the first step you took? You said you prayed, you meditated, and then what? Um, I think the first step I took was I had a spiritual practice, and that was a step that had preceded all of that happening. And so I had a philosophy. I had practices that grounded me, that guided me. I had a mantra. I had a reminder of who I was. And that was a big part with my spiritual practice. Another part was my tribe, my, my community, having an amazing support system of women who were older than me, who had gone through it, been there, done that, and were like, girl, what's next? Let me help you get to the next level. Who could counsel me through that? Sometimes when you're in a situation, you can't see through the other side, but connecting with people who've already been there and been through that sometimes can be really inspiring. And so it was very important for me to have a circle of men and women around me that supported my highest self, that did not judge me through that process, um, and, and were able to offer support. And so I think my spiritual practice and 
um, my tribe and my vision, having a vision, having a goal, having a very clear sense. Well, you that didn't I was, have it, and you didn't have that when all the meltdown happened. Was that vision something that was born after the meltdown, so that you could then shape shift into that? You know, I don't think the vision comes all at once. I think the vision is like, you know, the analogy of of driving down a dark country road and you have your headlights on and sometimes all you can see is a few feet in front of you. And I think that even now I'm still seeing a few feet in front of me, but I still have a vision of where I'm going. I might not be there yet. I might not be there yet, but I'm definitely moving. I have a course and I'm headed in that way. And even at that time, I was definitely still moving. I never allowed that to stop me. It might scare me. I might have some flat tires, (laughs) but I'm still going to get back on that road and keep going. (laughs) All right. I hear you. We have a question here, and this is coming in from Tim in San Jose. Tim says, "I'm oh, dear, well, I guess I can say this on the line. He says he's feeling very effed up right now. And he wonders what he needs to do to get his life moving. And Tim's not giving us a lot of details, just feeling very F-word up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think that one of the things that I think is the first place to begin is to, rep- is to honor stillness and to really embody, just like nature does, the soil. And before we can plant anything, we have to make sure that the soil is fertile for any seeds to go in it. And we have to remember that no, no light comes without going through the darkness first, that no creation, everything that we see in life all started in the darkness and the stillness. And I think that many of us actually know exactly what we need to do, but we don't allow ourselves to be still enough to listen. We need to turn off our electronic devices sometimes. We need to have some time every morning when we get up. We need to spend time in nature, and we need to ground out into really allowing ourselves to hear because I believe that we are the own experts of our destiny, and we truly hold the own keys and the secrets for us to get there. But sometimes we're so distracted by outside traumas, by people who maybe are not healthy, that we're allowing in our cipher and in our lives, and we need to take that moment of stillness to just have some deep reflection. And there's no way that you can find yourself in nature still and silent and not walk away from that situation feeling better, and it is baby steps, and we have to understand. Okay, so Tim, one of the things you might want to do is get really still, as Aki is saying, and also get out in nature and just let that beautiful healing energy move your soul. So thank you very much for the question, Tim. We have another question here, Zakia. This is coming okay. in from Susan. Susan doesn't say where she's from. She says that her life just fell apart. She went through a divorce. Her ex is still fighting her in court for custody. You have any advice for her that would shape shift where she is? <laughs> I think that I first just want to honor that she's going, you know, honor her where she's at. I know that that's a really challenging experience, and I've definitely been there. Um, I think, again, a lot of what I said before to the other caller is exercising a lot of self-care and some self-preservation and really figuring out what that is going to look like for her in terms of her spiritual practice, in terms of some goal setting, in terms of the information, the people that she's around, the information that she's letting in, 
and to really give herself this time to be the chrysalis of the butterfly before it can become a butterfly. It has to lose everything and to understand that as dark as this seems, there is a light through the other side if she can just do the self-preservation and personal care to move through. Yeah, and one of the things I want to weigh in, because I've been on this ride myself, and one of the things (laughs) I did going through that dark, dark time uh, I mean, almost identical to everything that you've talked about, Zakia, and and with Susan, when you can allow yourself to also grieve these losses, there is sadness, there is mm-hmm. hurt, there is mm-hmm. a sense of loneliness and all those things that come from the life you had, the family you had, the home you had, all of that not being there anymore. And it's okay to cry those tears, to be sad. You can write letters that you'll never send where you just let it literally rip the paper. And I want you Mm. to just write everything you need to express and get it out because that makes more space even for what Zakia is saying, which is to get still and let the new energy begin to flow in where something new will grow in your life. But I know there's also a need for some cleansing of those old yeah. feelings so you don't get stuck with that. You know what I mean, the people who keep smiling, I'm fine, yes, everything's good. But inside, you know, you've got, like, all this pressure. So the key totally. great advice that you're giving. And you've said several times the importance of getting still and in that stillness, what is it that you find? Hmm. You find yourself, and you are able to hear yourself and to hear the voice of wisdom, and you find the flow. You find the, the, the path of least resistance. And it's that relationship with self that's so critical because even now I still have challenges. I still have things I'm going through. But because I'm in such a strong relationship with myself, and I'm able to pull out the tools out of my toolbox when I need them, that I can continue to architect my present and my future. And so I think stillness allows you to deepen that connection with yourself so you can hear the inner voice and the wisdom that you need to move on. Yeah, there's that still small voice within. And most of the time we're so busy and our minds are so active, we can't hear it. I was in a conversation not that long ago with Deepak Chopra, and I asked him, Deepak, how much do you meditate? He said, two and a half hours a day. And when he saw the shock on my face, he said, but I download a lot of material from the universe. So when we get still in meditation, you can call it a download from the universe. You can call it the still, small voice within. You can call it your intuition. You can call it a hunch. It doesn't matter. But there is something. This has been my own experience and the experience of a lot of people. I've had the honor of teaching in our seminars that when we get quiet, there's something in us that already knows what we need to know. Mm. We're just not listening most of the time. So, Zakia, I also know that you started moving forward with new directions in your life. And did that come out of the stillness and the quiet that you were sitting with, that meditation time, that being in nature time? 
Yes, I think that was that was part of the impetus for it, and that allowed me to really get clear on who I was and what my gifts are and really allowing me to feel the confidence that came from bringing all of my gifts to the world with unapologetic boldness and really integrating the different aspects of myself, allowing that compartmentalized self to, to, to fade away into a more integrated self that brought together my spirituality with my entrepreneurship, with my creative practice, with the fact that I'm a, motherhood, a mother, and really being able to weave all of those pieces together into the new me. Well, that really is shape-shifting at a high level to be able to weave everything together into you. And it's not always smooth, is it? Oh, no. And like I said, I still have challenges. And, and, but I know that they don't, they don't affect me in the same way that they used to because I have something even stronger to hold on to, to be rooted in, to be connected to. But definitely, and that's part of life and that's part of the journey, and that's what stillness also does. It puts you in perspective puts things in perspective, and one of the things I like to remember that at all times I have one foot planted in eternity and the other foot planted in the present. So we're constantly straddling those dimensions, and we have to remember that there's something very ancient and rooted in us, even as we're in the present and thinking about the future. So once you got to this point, here you are, you've got your support group, and I want to just underline support, everybody. Just let's take a minute. And let's hear it for support because most of us in our lives, there are many, many studies that show that most people do not have enough emotional support. All the research that was done on people coming here from Italy or from Japan or places where they still had a strong family support network, the studies show Mm -hmm. those people are healthier. So it's really important really important for you to find a support group, whether it's your temple, your church, your meditation group, whether it's your biking group, whatever it is you need, or get your neighbors together, you know, for a Friday night dinner. You really need support. We are wired for support as human beings. So once you started to get this straddling under your belt. You could shape-shift into somebody who could straddle, who could weave, who could pull these pieces together. How did you come up with the idea for Hack the Hood? I love that. What does it mean and what does Hack the Hood do? That's a great question. Well, Hack the Hood, um, I'm one of three co-founders, and so one of my other co-founders, Susan Murnett, who's a Bay Area-based journalist and former techie, approached me because I I have a background in education and nonprofit management, and to hack means to make something better. And I think we all have our own definition of what the hood is. I like to say it's around the way. And so basically, it's, we are living in ground zero. I'm based in Oakland, California. The tech industry is no longer in our backyard. It's in our front yard and our side yards. And there's a lot of young people, particularly low-income youth of color, who are watching the city change, the city get better, and all this new influx of money and development, but they are not actually part of the conversation. They're not actually receiving access 
to the training and tools that really are necessary to be active global citizens in the 21st century. Right, the thing that we call the the digital divide. You're describing the digital divide where people Well, even the information divide because they all have access to the Internet. You know, we're past that. They're walking around with the Internet on their phones, but are they understanding not just how to be consumers of technology, but to be creators of technology? Mm -hmm. And that's what Hack the Hood's work is really all about. So Hack the Hood is all about... Getting youth, go ahead and, and finish that sentence for me so we can all be yeah, really Yes, so we clear. engage, so we teach young people of color to build websites, and they build those websites for local small businesses. We connect them with mentors and field trips in the tech industry. We have a series of programs and offerings to really empower them with technical skills that allow them to compete in the 21st century, as well as soft skills such as networking, code switching, uh, personal branding, public speaking, the new 21st century toolbox, and there's no job that any of our young people are going to get in the future where technology is not at the core of that. So we really think of technology as a lens that they can navigate their lives through. Fantastic. So this is the all-important quantum leap for youth to be part of where the future is so clearly going. Now, you mm-hmm. also are doing Earthseed, mm-hmm. Earthseed Consulting, and I love it because on the one side we have tech, on the other side we've got Earthseed. So talk to us about Earthseed and how you came to this idea for Earthseed. You guys are going to love this. Go ahead, Zikki. Yeah, well, Earthseed is another startup that I co-founded with my business partner, Pandora Thomas, and we basically work with companies and corporations and organizations to deepen their impact in diverse communities. Um, and so most of our work is education around environmentalism, permaculture design, even social permaculture, and really rem- allowing Now describe of what permaculture and permaculture design are for those who don't know. Permaculture means a permanent culture, and it's a design system, and it's a design system that's really based on all wisdom of ancient indigenous people, people of the earth all over the world. And it really means that every decision that we make, whether it's how we're going to get a natural resource from the earth or where we're going to build a home or how we're going to make a shirt, we're always putting the earth at the center of that conversation. We're always putting the earth first versus putting profits first. So we're looking at what is the environmental impact that this action is going to have on the planet. People are part of the planet as well. What is the impact it's going to have on people? And then we can have a conversation about profit. But we have but permaculture is a system and it's in a lens as well, just like technology, that makes sure that we're making um, environmentally conscious decisions to really address some of our largest challenges. And this is important, especially in low-income communities, communities of color that typically get targeted as dumping Mm -hmm. grounds for toxic waste and for projects that have really terrible impact on people's health. Exactly. There's a direct connection between poverty and pollution, and you see where the poorest are on a global level as well as a national level. Um, you also find the most pollution. And so Earthseed is really, but all of those cultures also have wisdom. Most of us are no more than three generations separated from someone in our family that was growing food, from someone in our family that was living off of the land. I come from a tradition where my mother furnished most of our home with used furniture. You know, we used used clothing. 
we know how to reuse and recycle something before there was a title of recycling. You know, my big mama was recycling things. So this is also part of our legacy when you think if of that's natural building. was when I was wearing hand-me-downs all the time, that was recycling. <laughs> that was upcycling. <laughs> That's I love exactly it. What it was. I'm so happy so that you reframe that for me. <laughs> yeah. So it's also about honoring our own traditions. We have families that had their own recipes of organic remedies in terms of fighting certain diseases and ailments that were made in the kitchen. Those are now multi-million dollar enterprises. You know. So right. it's also about recognizing that that there is opportunity in what we're calling a, a successful entrepreneur now, right? And so you don't just have to degrade the planet at any means, at any cost, but there's a way to be sustainable, honor the earth, honor people, and make a profit at the same time. Wow, that is so inspiring because, Akia, you're speaking as someone who came from behind. Now, I know you're also, I have to quickly let people know, having a lot of fun as a solo musician, a dancer, a band leader. You've got a group called Elephantine, and I'm going to tell people right now how to be in touch with you. You can check Zakia Harris out at www.zakia, that's Z-A-K-I-Y-A-H Harris.com, or hashtag shapeshiftyourlife. And Zakia, I understand you have a permanent scar from that accident where (laughs) you fell on your face. What did you learn from Mm. that whole period? If you left us with one thing that you learned that would be like the best possible coaching or advice you could give us, Mm. when you look in the mirror and you see that scar, what Mm. do you think about That's a great question. I love that. I learned that beauty comes from within and really taking that as a metaphor for my life, always starting within, in the soil, within the stillness, within the darkness, that rather than just looking at what's surface, looking at external pleasures or external things to make me happy, external identities, that it really starts with me and it starts inside. And as long as I focus on that inner work, I I bet that's all that matters and that that has the power to transform and translate everything else. And so it starts from within and then it shines outside. Beautiful. So everybody go inside, go deep, get still, get in the dirt and the dark (laughs) and listen (laughs) and get your support system together. And if life is handing you a whole bunch of you-know-what, then put that in the soil and use it to grow something new. That's what our mm. guest is talking about. We're so happy to have Zakia Harris with us tonight. Thank you. Big, oh, it's a pleasure, Zakia. Big, huge thank you, everybody. Also to our producer, LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Cliff Dunning, and to all of you, our modern love listeners. I love you, bless you, and if you're listening live tonight, or within the next three days, I'm going to invite you to join me Saturday for a live seminar here in our beautiful academy in San Francisco. You can register at Eventbrite or send me an email at love at docway.com. The seminar is called From Money Madness uh-huh, to Money Mastery, Seven Secrets to True Prosperity Now. 
you're ready for true prosperity, you want to be here Saturday so you can deal with the hidden side of our relationship with money and shift that, talk about shape-shifting into prosperity. All right, register right now. We have a few spaces left. We'll look forward to seeing you there. All right, everyone, blessings. Good night. (laughs) Oh, <laughs>